Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. It is good to be with you on this Back to School Blessing Sunday. It is a Sunday that we have been looking forward to for a very, very long time. And we are so grateful that you could be here this morning, especially if you are a student or you are an educator who was invited to be with us this morning. We're so grateful for the opportunity to pray over you, to bless you, especially as you head back into a new school year. This morning, there's a lot of things that we have to be excited about. Of course, um, we have some Kona ice to be excited about after worship. Of course, some of you got excited about it before worship, and I can tell by the colors of your tongues (laughs) who's already indulged, but that's not a bad thing. We're glad you did. But before we jump into anything else, can we just pause for a moment and give thanks to our Wesleyan Youth Choir for their leadership in worship this morning. Again, if you didn't hear it earlier, this is our our reunion choir, which means that uh, singers from past and present uh, have gathered together for a weekend of a lot of fun, and uh, and so they are singing for us this morning, and we are so grateful that they are willing to lead us in worship on this very special day. Uh, This morning, uh, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series. It's called Three Simple Rules. And where this idea came from is actually from the, uh, the founder of Methodism. His name was John Wesley. When John Wesley was in the beginning stages of putting together the Methodist movement, there were often a lot of new Christians, people who were new to the church, new to the faith, and they would ask him the question, John, how do we live out the Christian faith? Like, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, and how do we live that out in the world? And so John Wesley came up with what he called his general rules, or what we're going to call our three simple rules. He said, this is what you need to do. Do no harm do good, and stay in love with God. If you do those three things, you will be well on your way to being a faithful follower of Jesus. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at each of those in depth, and we're actually going to do it out of order because I want us to start with John Wesley's second rule, and it's the rule, do good. And in order to talk about it, I want us to look at some words of Jesus that come to us from the gospel according to Matthew. So I'm going to be reading from chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Hear now the word of God. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and it's trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but rather on the lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. O gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in thy sight, thou who art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So without a doubt, one of the most intimidating days of my entire life was my very first day of high school. 
Because of course, as a freshman, everything was new going into that ninth grade year. Uh, it was a new school, it was new teachers. There were even new students that I was gonna be going to school with for the very first time. And not just any kind of students, but they were older students, like a lot older students. They were upperclassmen. And that was absolutely nerve-wracking to me. Because here I was, this baby-faced freshman, you know, barely with any peach fuzz growing on my face. And then I come into school one day and I'm looking at these juniors and seniors and they look like they're in their mid to late 30s. I mean, they look like adults because they had like full on facial hair, like full beards and mustaches and sideburns. There was one kid who had like a really impressive Fu Manchu. And I remember on that first day of school, I thought he was one of the teachers but it turns out he was just a really hairy sophomore. <laughs> and so to say the least, I was really, really nervous going into that first day of school. So I decided that the way that I could gain some confidence is by wearing like some really cool shoes like all the other guys tended to wear. And back in the 1990s, there was really only one kind of shoes that was considered really cool. Does anyone want to guess what it was? Yeah, it was called the Air Jordan. And so I convinced my parents that I had to have these before the first day of school. Of course, they said, you're gonna have to buy them yourself. So I worked all summer long, and I finally scrounged up enough money, and I bought them. And can I just tell you, they were beautiful. And I know, just by the looks on some of your faces, you're thinking, but Pastor Jeremy, it's just a pair of shoes. How beautiful could they possibly be? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because they just so happened to be... <laughs> this beautiful. Okay, yeah. Let's just let that soak in for a minute. Feast your eyes. Now, this may be a problem for you this morning because I have never been this comfortable preaching a sermon before, at least in terms of my feet, which means that I could probably go about 90 minutes without breaking a sweat. So just get comfortable, okay? Now, these were the shoes that I wore on my first day of school, and I will tell you, it actually worked because not only did I feel good, I felt confident. And that first day of school was really, really good. That is until I went to lunch. And I remember going to, into the cafeteria, and I was looking for a place to sit, and clearly I must have looked like a, a little lost puppy dog, because one of the seniors, who I came to realize later was our school bully, he got up, and I remember he was making his way towards me. And as he made his way towards me, to this day, I can still picture him perfectly in my mind. I remember everything that he was wearing, exactly the way he looked. I even remember his name. His name was Barry Hogan. And Barry Hogan came up to me, and in an effort to make all of the other seniors at his table laugh, he put his arm around me, and he said, hey there, freshman. Are you looking for a place to sit? I think there's an open seat right over 
there, and he took his muddy, disgustingly dirty Doc Martens, and he stomped on my brand new Air Jordans. Now let me pause here for a second to acknowledge the fact that I realize that in the grand scheme of things, this is still pretty minor, right? Like this is the ultimate definition of a first world problem. Somebody ruined my Air Jordans. But still, it ruined my day because he wanted to ruin my shoes. And here we are all these years later and I still haven't clearly gotten over it fully. <laughs> now why do I mention that to you this morning? It's actually for two reasons. The first is as a word of warning to anyone going back to school this week. If you're wearing new shoes and you see a kid coming towards you whose name is Barry and he's wearing muddy Doc Martens, go the other way. Your new shoes will thank you later, okay? But the second reason, and really the real reason, is simply because, well, that's the kind of world we live in, right? I mean, we live in a kind of world where sad and bad and frustrating and unfortunate things happen. We live in the kind of world where other people intentionally try to ruin your day. That's the world we live in. And that is a tale as old as time. It's been that way for a really, really, really long time. It was even that way back in the first century. And so along comes Jesus one day, and he starts to preach this message that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this message, the Sermon on the Mount, was meant for followers of Jesus who were looking for the answer to the question, how do we follow you? Like, what does the shape of the Christian life look like? What does it mean for us to live out our faith? And so Jesus said, let me give you some parameters. And so he starts with what's called the Beatitudes. But the very next thing that Jesus says is to a group of his disciples, and he says, I want you to know that you are two things in my eyes. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Now, what do those two things mean? Well, essentially, what Jesus is saying is, I want you to know, and I want you to be sources of goodness in the world. Uh, because, you see, back in the first century, both salt and light were considered really, really, really good things. Because, you see, salt wasn't just a seasoning that you would use on your food or that you kept next to the, the pepper shaker on your table. No, no salt was a preservative. There were foods that would spoil if it weren't for salt. So to most people, when they saw salt, they knew that it was a really, really good thing. But light was also a really good thing. Because, of course, they didn't have electricity back in Jesus' day. They couldn't just flip on a switch and turn on the lights. They didn't have the, the flashlight app on their iPhone when they got up in the middle of the night and they're trying to figure out where to go. No, sources of light were few and far between, which meant that, that light was not just important, but it was considered this really good thing because without light, you couldn't see in the darkness. And so what Jesus is saying is, that's what I want you to be, and that's how I want you to live out your faith in the world. In a world where sad and bad and unfortunate and frustrating things happen, I want you 
to be sources of goodness in the world. To say it another way, in a world full, full of Barry Hogan's, whose express purpose is to try to ruin your day, I want you to be the exact opposite. I want you to be the kind of people who try to infuse goodness into the world and try to shine your light into the darkness. And the reason why, says Jesus, is because when other people see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that when people see you do good things out in the world, they're not just going to see it as a product of your own self. They're not just going to look at you and say, wow, that Jeremy does really good things. That's so nice. No, what they're going to see is the God who lives within you. They're going to see his light shining through you. And for Jesus, that was really, really important because it's when we do those good things that the rest of the world will know that we belong to him. So Jesus said, I I want you to be sources of goodness in the world. I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I want you to do good. And I am absolutely convinced that one of the reasons why Jesus was so insistent on this is because he knew that when we do good things, we absolutely have the power to change the world one person at a time. Meaning that when we do good things, it's not like in one fell swoop we can just kind of like change the whole world because we did something good, Uh uh-uh. But in doing those good things, we can change someone's world. And Jesus would tell us that that is always worth it. In fact, it reminds me of that old story by the author... Lauren Isley, do you remember the the old story about the starfish? He said that one day there was an old man who was walking along the beach the morning after a storm had come sweeping in. And as he's walking along, he looked up ahead and he saw a young man who's bending down, he's picking up starfish, and he's very gently tossing them back into the ocean. And so the older man goes up to the younger man and he says, what are you doing? And he says, "Uh, well, all these starfish washed up on the shore after the storm, and so I'm I'm throwing them back in. He said, why? And he said, well, it's because the sun is coming up and the tide is going out, and and if I don't throw them back in, uh, they're going to die. And the older man said to him, don't you realize that there are still many miles of beach ahead of you and there are thousands of starfish on the beach? You can't possibly make a difference to which the young man bent down, picked up a starfish, and gently tossed it back into the sea and said, it made a difference for that one. I think Jesus understood that. I think Jesus understood that we as his followers, that we as the church, absolutely have the power to change the world, but it's only going to happen one person at a time. And so here we are on Back to School Blessing Sunday. And I have to tell you that all week long, I have been trying to think about how we could come together and not just be blessed on this Sunday, but how can we go from this place and be a blessing throughout the entire school year? And so what I came up with is a bit of a challenge for you. 
Uh, and it's the kind of challenge that's meant for everyone in the room this morning, but it is especially meant for those who are going back to school as students, or as teachers, or as educators, anybody who's beginning a new school year this fall, this challenge is especially for you. Because what I want you to do is I want you to take that keychain that we handed you on the way in. And if you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. We have plenty. I want you to grab one. If you want to grab one for a friend, you can do that too. But my challenge to you is really, really simple. I just want you to take this keychain and carry it with you every single day. And the only condition about carrying this keychain is the fact that I want you to put it in a place where you can see it often, which means that you can put it on your book bag or you can put it on your purse. You can put it on that cool Lululemon thing that goes across your front like that. Or if you want to put it on the, the shoestrings of your cool Air Jordans, you can do that too. The only condition is that you would be able to see this often because when you see it, what I want it to do is I want it to remind you to do one good thing every day for one person. That's it. I mean, of course, you can do more if you want, but, but just imagine what we would be able to do if we did one good thing every day for one person. Of course, the best part about this challenge is the fact that you're in the driver's seat. You totally get to choose who it is that you want to do good thing for and what it is that you want to do that would be considered good. I mean, you, you can do something as simple as sharing your lunch with someone that forgot theirs. Or, or maybe you see somebody who dropped their books in the hallway and you help pick them up. Maybe you see a new student at school and they look a little lost and you say, can I help you find whatever classroom you're looking for? It's really not big stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of big stuff because you have the ability to change someone's world and that anyone can be anyone. I mean, it, it can be your friend or family member, but it also could be another student or a teacher or a coworker. It could be one of the cafeteria workers or school bus driver. It could even be one of the many Barry Hogan's in your life. I want you to take this keychain. And every time you see it, I want it to remind you to do one good thing every day for one person. I want it to remind you of what Jesus called us to be. He said, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. In other words, I want you to be sources of goodness in the world. And why? Because when you do goodness in the world, that's how the world knows you belong to me. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, was once asked to expand on his general rule, do good. And you know what he said? He said, I want you to do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, to all the people you can, at all the times you can, in all the places you can, as long as you ever can. And that's because John Wesley knew that this is how we live out our faith in Jesus. It's by infusing good into the world. So I hope you'll take me up on my challenge. I hope that you will carry this with you in some way, shape, or form every single day because I can promise you this. If we truly take this seriously, 
if we commit to this, every single one of us, I promise you, we can change the world. It's just going to happen one person at a time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.